Welcome to the Fitness Canner Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Feigl. I'll be bringing you the truth about exercise by interviewing fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, as well as fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders. Hopefully you take this info and apply it to have a better, healthier, and happier lifestyle. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 53 of the Fitness Candor Podcast. I am joined today by Rachel, 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 <laughs> your last name, like, it's throwing me for a second, Rachel Balkovec, right? Did I say that right? <laughs> Rachel Balkovec. Yeah, you got it. You yes, got it. nailed it. <laughs> so she is, she's the first female strength and conditioning coach in the history of the MLB. And um, I, I, I don't, everybody knows that I'm a huge Cardinals fan, and we just got on talking about that. So I, I just, I got to say that the Cardinals were the first ones to kind of break through the wall. She, she's an awesome coach. I've watched a lot of her videos, um, listened to a lot of her, her talks and some of her other podcasts too. And she's going to offer a very unique perspective. And I know she's going to just kind of, I think broaden the scope of where the strength and conditioning field is going and where it has been and, and where it will be. So um, she's coached at Arizona State University, Louisiana State University, and currently she is the Houston Astros Latin American Strength and Conditioning uh, Coordinator. She's also an international speaker and an entrepreneur. So if she's not doing enough, she's also in. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let her. I'll let her explain the rest of her story. So Rachel, <laughs> thanks for joining the show. And fill in some gaps of, of where I didn't touch on. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I think um, I think you're doing a great thing with getting some good messages out there. And hopefully, hopefully at least one person is going to listen to this. And hopefully that one person is going to get something from it. So. God, I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm folding up shop after this. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, you gave a great introduction. A couple of things that like really, I, I want to point out, I, I love, like you're probably the first person and I think it's because you have a major bias, but I'm going to take that anyway. <laughs> um, to say that the Cardinals like broke down the barrier. So that that's awesome that you said that. Cause I always say like, you know, especially as of late in the past year or two, reflecting on just the opportunities that I've had is, is like, I'm not a pioneer. Like the part, the, the part of the deal was like the Cardinals have to hire me. Right. So, right. so otherwise that doesn't happen. And so obviously I, I did my part to put myself in the right position to be qualified and to be the best person for the job. Um, but the Cardinals had to take the leap. So that was great. And I wanted to like point that out for anyone who's listening that they're the, the pioneer really. Um, you know, I just had to make sure I was ready. And then also, um, you mentioned the Latin American coordinator thing. I, I guess, I don't know who all is listening, so sometimes I, I take for granted that everyone knows everything about baseball, but even some of the most ridiculous baseball fans don't know everything about how the minor league system works. So um, if you don't know anything about it, the baseball system is like there's a ton of Latin American players that are being signed. So you probably know like Manny Ramirez and Big Poppy and all those people. Um, they're coming from, they're hailing from the Dominican, Venezuela, Panama, like all these places. And so uh, recently clubs have started hiring Latin American strength and conditioning coordinators. There's probably five or six of us out there around the league, and I'm one of them. And I get the pleasure of really handling our youngest players. And they sign at age 16 in the Dominican Republic. 
and from Venezuela. And sometimes, you know, not all the time, but sometimes they don't have the best education. Um, sometimes they don't have the best family lives. And so I get to be kind of like a, a mentor to them as well as a strength coach. So that's kind of where I'm sitting in my career and, um, the rest of it's pretty long, so you just go to my go to my website and read my bio if you want the rest of it. It's, I don't <laughs> want to cover that; it'll take us forever. No, that's awesome. Um, t- so, tell us a little bit more about about your background in getting into strength and conditioning. I mean, is it the typical background that we usually see? Like you were involved in sports, and then this is kind of a way for you to stay in touch with it, or was it? Uh, did you kind of fall fall backwards in it? Because I've heard it from both angles. I've heard some people say that, you know, they quote unquote weren't good enough to make it to the next level, which most of the time is BS because people who, a lot of people who get into strength conditioning are very good athletes. They just undersell themselves, you know, right. um, um, or did, or did you kind of have a, a push into it from another aspect? No, it was a pretty clear, like I, I was a softball player in college and I, Basically, I kind of always took to the weight room. I definitely excelled in that area just because I, you know, in the weight room, I love, what I love about it is that if you put in, you put in the time, you're going to get the results, period, like pretty much. Um, if, you, if you pay attention to your nutrition, your sleep, your sleep, et cetera, you will get results. There's, it's a one plus one equals two equation, whereas in any sort of sport, you can work as hard as you want to, and then it doesn't always translate to results. And that's like what happened to me, I guess, or what I guess, I don't want to say what happened to me. Um, my experience in softball was I actually developed what we call the yips. So if you are a baseball fan, you know what that is, obviously. But if you're not a baseball fan, that means that, like, I was a catcher, and I actually had, like, game anxiety to the point where I couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. Oh, wow. And so I was, like, always the hardest worker on the team, show up early, leave late, et cetera. Um, Definitely, you know, I, I was able to add, I think, some value in that way, but I just, it never really translated for me. I couldn't throw the darn ball back to the pitcher, and I had game anxiety, so I was going nowhere there, saw a sports psychologist, didn't help at the time, I wasn't open to the idea more, you know, more than anything else at the time, I kind of was like, oh, what's this, sports psychologist, funny enough, so where, where I found that I could excel was in the weight room, and I could actually, like, kind of serve as a leader in that way, and push people in that way, even though I wasn't contributing on the field, and I, I really enjoyed like the mental aspect of it. And so I wanted to make that a career and and be able to coach from from that angle myself because I had been mentored by some some great coaches in the weight room. And that's kind of how it got going, I guess. So, yeah, similar story. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, that's so did you develop the the yips in college? Was it do yes. you know really what kind of set it off or was there? That's yes. really that's interesting. Yeah, I do. Um you know, and I don't like this is it, this is ten years ago, so I'm not like harboring any bad feelings necessarily. But I, I had a coach that we just didn't really mesh. Our personalities didn't really mesh to get along, and um, he was a pitching coach and I was a catcher, and so I would like have anxiety throwing the ball back to him because we didn't really have the best relationship, and it kind of it started there. And it really just became a general game anxiety where I, I couldn't even like hit BP. It was, it was pretty bad um, after my freshman year. So I transferred, wow. transferred and it, it did get better, but it wasn't um, to the point where I could be trusted in, in like pressure situations. Cause I would just, you know, essentially freak out. But like, like you said, I was, I was a phenomenal athlete as far as like my physical capabilities. And I came into college wanting to play professional softball and, and probably having a shot at it at some point. Um, but that was just like, you know, that was pretty clearly not going to happen after, 
um, my first year of playing. So. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's that's really interesting. The whole the the psychological aspect, and maybe that's a, this is a whole other uh, podcast, but the way all of that breaks down. But then, but then you said you know the fact that you the uh, the mental capability you could provide to the weight room. I mean, that's just as mm-hmm. that's just as interesting and, and, and powerful as what you can do physically. So yeah. you, you mentioned some of the mentors and the people that you worked with. Uh, give us some depth on or who those people are and what you've learned from them and well and, uh, from there. Um, yeah, I I would, like I seriously I don't use the word lucky very often, but I will say I've been lucky like to have the mentors that I've like had. Fortunate. One thing. Yeah, like fortunate is a is a better word for it. Is just to have at times. Sometimes I've earned the mentorship that I've had. Sometimes I've just ran into it. And so, um, you know, for example, I went to New Mexico and I had a phenomenal uh, weightlifting coach, uh, Joaquin Chavez. He's he actually like has a, had a weightlifting, and I had I had no appreciation for this when I was an athlete, but he has had and has, I believe, a weightlifting team. And so he's an actual Olympic weightlifting coach, which is pretty rare in the college setting. Usually you have collegiate strength coaches who know about Olympic weightlifting. And I I even fall into that category. I've never competed in Olympic weightlifting. But to have an actual Olympic weightlifting coach who is is specializing in that area and, like, teaching the technical side of it. And I remember him showing us videos of Olympic weightlifting competitors. And, again, at the time, I did not appreciate – the instruction that I was getting. And now I look back and I'm like, dang, I had such good instruction even as an athlete. <laughs> and then as, and simultaneously, um, my exercise science degree, I, um, fortunately ran smack into a mentor of mine that's still 10 years later. We're still texting. Con- we're in contact all the time. I'm close to his family. His name's Chris Frankel. Um, he's the director of human performance for TRX. Now he was a professor of mine. And shortly after that, he moved to San Francisco to work for, um, TRX or Fitness Anywhere. I'm sure, obviously, if you're a personal trainer, you're familiar with them. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and he's, you know, he's just absolutely, like, he's one of those people that every time we talk, I'm like, well, I'm I'm just dumb. I'm just, <laughs> you know? So, every time, it's like, I'm never, I'm never, ever going to catch up to him, never going to be as intelligent as he is. He is absolutely, like, from a personal side, from a professional side. Yeah. Um, you know, just everything, the family life, the, the way that he is, you know, whatever age he is, I, I don't I mean, he wouldn't care, but I'll, I'll just say, <laughs> I'll just say 50 cause I don't know, but sure. like he's, he's just constantly learning, constantly learning. He's yep. just absolutely incredible. And, and he's, he's humble. I mean, I have so much to learn from him still. So he's been an absolute incredible mentor. I have so many more that I could list, but I'll just, you know, Meg Stone, um, Melissa Moore at LSU have, have been mentors to me as far as like, um, women that I've looked up to. I mean, gosh, like literally, I mean, th- there's gotta be 10. I've just been fostered. Yeah. They, say, they say it takes a village, right? Like yep. I have, a, I definitely have a village and I appreciate that every day. I mean, Pete Prinzi, my boss with the Cardinals, um, D- Dale Torborg with the White Sox, Rich Winner with Arizona State. I mean, I could just I could just go on forever. So I don't even want to list names because I'll <laughs> I'll leave this out. Um, but yeah, right. so so those mentors, and then also like first and foremost, my parents and yep. what they taught me growing up. Like, I just look back and I'm like, God, I hated my parents so much, and they were just like absolutely blazing. Like they created a 
someone who's going to be undeniably successful. And all, all three of us, I have two sisters. They just did a, a great job. <laughs> well, isn't that awesome how you look back and then you, like, you know, we're probably very similar in age and we look back and then we think that, you know, we think that now, yeah. but at the time, like, of course they want the best for us. Like, what do you, yeah. duh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I don't, I say I hated them. I don't think I ever hated them. I know what you uh, mean. And I, and I really did like even early, it just, it more so becomes increasingly so that I'm like every day I'm so unbelievably thankful yep. <laughs> like I was thankful when I was 18 and I understood because I could see my peers not achieving what they wanted to and I knew my parents were pushing me and doing and and supporting me etc but like it just becomes every day more increasingly apparent you know that they I pretty much owe them everything so mom and dad thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks mom and dad <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't yeah. have this awesome podcast <laughs> yeah there you go yeah so you mentioned, you know, the, the female uh, inspirations you had. And one of the things, obviously, that you get asked a lot is, you know, of, of course you're in a male-dominated sport. And I can't say 100% anymore because it just wouldn't, would be a lie. So mm -hmm. how, do you create, how do you create buy-in um, as a female coach? And how, what does that look like to, to the athletes? Well, it's funny, like, it's funny how – you know, when you pull off a Band-Aid, like, that's kind of what I would describe it as, is, like, from the outside perspective, and I'm sure even other teams, players are probably like, oh, how does that work? Like, what goes on, you know, whatever. Yeah. To be honest with you, like, I just think it's such a, not a big deal that mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand. Like, when I get in, and I'm sure, like, the first probably week, two weeks, maybe maybe a month, the players are and staff are like, oh, who's this girl? And then you talk to me for five seconds, and you're like, oh. It's gonna be fine. Like, right. Once you just like pull, once you just, like, pull off the bandaid, you're like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's some women who couldn't do this job, just like there are some men who couldn't handle this job. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, if anything, at times it really helps me, especially with the Latin American crowd, because it's often thought like, okay, the Latin Americans like machismo culture, and they kind of treat women and. Like they're, they're like they're dirt and women in those countries are they don't have the same status as men, which is all true. And it's it's a sad truth. But what people forget is that the most important person in those young men's life usually is their mother. Oh, wow. Good point. So, and so I a thousand percent like fill that role at times and they call me mom and they, you know, and that like it's. Not all the time. Sometimes they call me other names. Right. <laughs> of course. You know, but, That's the life but, of a coach. Yeah, exactly. And so, but I'm a year into this role and I think at first they like probably hated my guts. And just like we were just talking about with your parents is that they're starting to realize that my high expectations and, you know, all of this like mental talk and asking them to be leaders and mm -hmm. be and ha hold high character and discipline. Those are all things that, that show them that I care about them. And then uh, obviously we all know as soon as somebody finds out that you care about them, yeah. they're going to listen to you. I don't care if you're a man, you're a woman. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your race is. It doesn't matter. You don't get respect from your experience, your age, your gender, your race. None of that. You get right. ex you get respect from your actions, period. So simple. That Yeah, you're absolutely right. And to, to bounce back to something you said uh, before, it, to go along with that, you either know your stuff or you don't know your stuff. And mm -hmm. in, in your industry and in our industry, those people get weeded out really fast. 
Yeah. Right. Yep. And then on top of that, if you don't care about people, if you don't right. genuinely care about people, not just because they're the people that make you have a job, like you give, you give an interest in not only what they're doing inside the gym and how they're performing, but everything they do on the outside, or at least, at least a good portion of what they do. Yeah. And it's just, yep. yeah, there, I mean, it's, it's, it seems plain and simple, but I think, you know, even as a male, I was, I was so interested to talk to you about this because I, I mean, I, I, I have colleagues that are female and, you know, mm -hmm. after same thing, you know, you either know your stuff or you don't and yeah, you, you're either I, full of it or you're, or, or you're not. And if you can train somebody, then you can train. No, that's, that is, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to like, yeah, that's an absolute for sure. I mean, I, you know, so I talked about, I had great mentors and I got opportunities given to me, you know, but at the same time, like, don't get it twisted. Like I've had to work my ass off. hundred percent. I, I love, um, I just saw a tweet from Tim DeFrancesco from the Lakers and it, like, I can just hear him, these words coming out of his mouth. He's a friend of mine. So like he, he tweeted out, he said something like, Hey, I, I, I like that everyone says like, Oh, I'm so lucky to have this position with the Lakers, but don't forget, like I, I worked my ass off and I definitely, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I don't, I didn't and I don't have a chip on my shoulder and I, I feel like I need to learn more yep. and more and more and I have to be the best because I, I definitely had to be one of the best as far as like resume, knowledge, et cetera, just to get an opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had this really terrible, naive idea that once I got a job that people would you know, once I was the coordinator for the St. Louis Cardinals, that people would say, okay, she belongs. And to be honest with you, I almost feel like the longer I'm in the field, the, the hate meter is, is even higher. Hmm. And so I continue to feel this need to, you know, kind of prove myself, not necessarily for other people, but just, I'm, I, I should say, a thirst for knowledge, a wanting to be better, a wanting to know more so I can help the players, like just, you know, just all of it. It's, yep. It really has just intensified and not gotten less, you know, not good. Less, so good. And you know, the whole, the whole luck thing, I've, I've tried to get that out of my vocabulary because I, do you yeah. know who, I don't know if you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. He's, yep. he's an, yep. yeah. So he Absolutely. talks, yeah. So he talks about, he's like, don't give me that luck shit because mm -hmm. you have everybody. If you get an opportunity, you can squander that opportunity. It's so easy to mess an opportunity up or you could take it and just run with it and run it to the ground and see where it goes. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like that's all there is to it. Like this luck stuff, you don't, there's no luck about it. You're either, you either take the opportunity and you grind and you don't worry about like when your big break's going to come and you make yeah. it, and you make it happen. I mean, that's the whole thing like with luck. It's like, Oh, I can't wait until this actually pans out. Can't wait till if you're taking the opportunity, first of all, it's already panning out. No, exactly. Exactly. Right? You, uh, you just, you hit the nail on the head. There's yeah. no, like you, it, it's so funny. Like I, I say all the time, I have a friend of mine, he la like laughs at me. I'm like, I'll just walk by and be like, dude, my life's amazing. Like my life is literally incredible. Yeah. And if I might having be having a bad day and I, and I'm, I'm an expressive person. I'm like, I would say even I'm an emotional person. Like I wear my heart on my sleeve. Oh yeah. So I might be having like a bad day, but I can still like sit back and be like, dang, whatever's about to come around the corner is going to be absolutely freaking amazing like I just know I always have this feeling that something is just right around the corner that's just gonna like blow my mind like I, I can't <laughs> wait to know what it is and 
you know, some days I feel less like that than others. Excuse me. Some days, I feel, some days I feel less like that than others, you know, and it's tough to see always like how it's going to pan out. But that's the thing that you, you said like, oh, I can't wait till this pans out. No, no, no. It is going to pan out. I just right. don't know. I just don't know how, when, where it's not going to be exactly what I think it is. It's not going to be exactly when I think mm-hmm. it is. It's not going to be exactly with whom I think it's going to be, but I know it's going to pan out. Right. There's no question because I've put in the time and the work and I've done my due diligence to make sure. So it's just a matter of time. Yeah. So you take take all of that what you just said and try to drop the word luck into it. You yeah. can't you can't you can't do it. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. I get so I'm getting like if I didn't have this headset on that was attached to my microphone, I'd be up like pacing right now because I yeah. I get so frustrated yeah, with that with that Love like it. that that attitude of uh, of um oh it must be nice what it must be it nice must that be I worked nice. my ass off yeah it must yeah be nice that I slept on an air mattress for months and months and months and became a vegetarian because I was so poor that was super nice like <laughs> come on man you know it's just like. Must be nice to wake up at three fifteen every morning to train, so I can make sure I've got time to go play volleyball at night to train for that too. Like, right. you know, it's like must be nice. Yeah. Well, it's it's the things aren't nice, but yeah, the results that you see are nice. Yep. Um, but if I posted my daily schedule, I I don't know if you would think that. So no, exactly. Yeah, there's there's this uh there's a meme I saw, and this might I might give credit to to Gary Vaynerchuk about this too, but there's. There was this meme of meme of a guy who is at the top. He's at the top of the screen and he's in a mine and he's running at this dirt with this uh, this uh, pick. I don't know what they're called, this sickle. Mm-hmm. And he's like yeah. attacking this thing, like getting after it. And the and the meme right below him is, I guess, like him in the future, all just like worn down. And he's like 50 years older, and he's like turning away from where the other guy above him is going to dig. But behind yeah. the bottom guy's wall is like you know, an inch left of dirt and there's diamonds, just abundant oh, diamonds. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we're, we're folk, and this is getting off on a tangent, but that's okay. You, we're focused so much, great. we're focused so much on, on what we can get right now or in the next month. Like I want it in the next month. I've been doing this for so long. Really? How long? Oh, it's been two weeks. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, it's just I, like the, the expectation level is so weird right now. Well, the best way, like this is, this is an absolute, this is something that should stick hopefully with people is like, when I got the phone call to, to say basically like, okay, I had the job with the St. Louis Cardinals and I was going to become the first woman. And I, I basically, the day that I made history, I had $14 in my bank account. Oh my gosh. That's, that is incredible. Like. And I would, you know, I mean, seriously, it was like, it, I was at a point basically where I was, I was interning for free at Arizona state for the second time. Like I, I interned for free at ASU for two different times, a year and a half apart. I was, I was driving 45 minutes one way to work for the, the Chicago white Sox for like 30 bucks a day, which after taxes barely covered my gas. And wow. like, I'm just like on the edge. I, I was so broke. <laughs> I was so, so broke. I was, I was a vegetarian at that time and I like was eating literally spinach and beans and like eggs and that was it. And 
I get a phone call and okay, by the way, oh, you made history. And then like I had to call my parents and I was like, hey, I have to borrow money from you, but I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm so broke that I, I, I'm just absolutely in desperation. But yeah, awesome. I just made history, so, so that's good. <laughs> that's no, that's God. That's I got goosebumps. That's so freaking cool. Uh, yeah, I hope people. I, I really hope people can put that in some kind of perspective of where they are in their life. No, because I know there are a lot of strength conditioning coaches and trainers. Uh, and athletes listen to this podcast, but I hope that anybody out there who has any kind of aspiration, if you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you've like chipped away at your last, you can't, if you pick up the sickle one more time, like it's not going to make a difference because the exact same thing is going to happen. That's bullshit. And, and I mean, Rachel just said no, so. It always pays off. Always. Yeah, there are always. no exceptions. There are zero exceptions to that rule. And I like, I literally just posted a thing on my Instagram yesterday <laughs> and just said like, it said, I think some of your greatest triumphs are just on the other side yeah, of your right. first failures and there your you worst go. moments. There you go. That's so that's so amazing. So to tag on to that, so you know, to, to get your like success story and you're still succeeding and you're still doing more and you're still going because yeah, that's what successful, successful people do. Yet. That's no come on. I mean, like that's what successful people do though. They keep going. It's not like you yeah. don't reach a spot and say, "Oh, I did it. I'm done." Maybe some people do, but those people in the long run aren't successful. You know, like yeah, yeah, totally. And it's the truth. That's just the truth. Just like Lux, Lux crap, and and it's just on the other side. Like those are just facts, and it, it's scientific. People look it up on the internet. <laughs> I have some bad but, news. Yeah, I have some bad news for everyone out there. Is that like if you're truly, um, and I'll use the word relentless because that's like it's one of my favorite books, but. If you're truly like relentless and you truly are a knowledge seeking person who wants yeah. to be the best, you're never going to feel successful. So don't be don't be seeking success. Be seeking, you know, be seeking an attitude, be seeking a mentality where you're squeezing every last drop out of the yep. opportunities that life has given you. And so I I sat down at my desk once I was hired by the Cardinals and I I really did think I you know for a while there I was like oh now everyone's gonna see that I made it you know everyone who said that I couldn't do it look at me I did it hmm. I really felt that way for a little bit and then I kind of got my feet under me and I was like why do I feel so dissatisfied like right. why what's missing here and I even like went into a lull of kind of like I didn't get I don't want to say lazy but like I was like kind of in a lull with my training I was looking for the next thing I was looking for the next challenge and I was like, why do I feel this way? But it's because success is not a point in time. Success right. is like a continuing journey that never ends if you are a human being that is trying to literally op optimize your time on this planet. It just oh, never man. ends. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's definitely the truth. And, you know, the, the thing about you sitting at the desk kind of took me back to building a personal training business. And when I, I remember saying to myself, if I get 10 clients, God, I will be the happiest person. Like that will be yeah. it. And then, you know, that yeah. 10 client range. And then somebody asked me, well, you know, what's your goal now? I'm like 20. If I can just get 20, 20, be perfect. Like I'd be, so I wouldn't ask for anything at 20. And now I'm, you know, 30 clients over that. And it's just like mm -hmm. that one, you know, one more would be, it's just like, not that it has nothing to do with like the, the monetary value has nothing to do. It's just like that. Str yeah. Can I, it's almost like that. Can I do it? Yep. Can yep. I make it happen? How, how can I stretch? How far can I stretch my own limitations? How, you know, like how, how good can you really be? Yeah. And, and how, and also like the next step of that, I think is, is where I'm sitting at this point is like, 
how many people can I positively impact? Like that is Ooh, the yeah. end goal for me is like, I, I know I kind of struggle back and forth with, all right, I'm putting myself on social media and you need to work in, in silence and be quiet. Mm, but at the yeah. same time, I know that I've been given an opportunity so that I can then affect other people positively. And that's, that's like where I'm, you know, that's kind of honestly where the emptiness came because about a year into the Cardinals gig, I, I was getting emails and such from young women. And I was like, this is it. This is why I feel empty is because now I've reached some level of whatever success, you know, I've reached some level of like, okay, I can actually feed myself and like pay for rent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and like, all right, now, now what can I do for others? And so you want to help more people, you want to get your message out, like this is why you're doing your podcast, you want to have more clients, because you're, you're so addicted to the fact that you're, changing people's lives right and you're you're empowering them and so it's not necessarily like you said about oh i want to make a lot of money and do it it's no it has nothing to do with that zero it's simply simply finding the true like human potential and what what are our limitations um from a from a brain mindset from a brain perspective and a mindset perspective and then also like okay how can i i have enough for myself how can i give to others right yeah, and I think a lot of people when they when they think about all of those things at one, it's easy. Like you said, we're kind of I'm bouncing all over. I got like three different things in my head I want to spit out, yeah, so I got I got like I got to like se- <laughs> separate them. Um, the first one is we've been taught to kind of put our head down, keep quiet, shut up, and go. But mm-hmm. but it's because we're because we're in the kind of industry that we highlight other people, right? But right. if we want our industry to succeed and keep going, then we have to do these kind of things that empower other people coming up behind us. And I've said mm-hmm. this before on the podcast that if we have all this information and knowledge and we've been to different places that other people behind us might go and we don't share that with them, what's the yeah. point? What's the point? Uh, I Yeah, that's – yes. What because are we going to do? We're going to die and not yeah. talk to people? Yeah, because like, you know, it's, it's interesting, like industry, I don't think it's, I really don't think it's just strength and conditioning or no, personal it's, it's, it's everyone. Like if you put your stuff out there, you're going to have people who are like, Oh, you get, Oh, you're, Oh, you have a website. Oh, you're doing your, and they, they want to say whatever. But to be honest with you, every time I get an email from a young woman who says, thank you so much, I'm totally inspired. And I appreciate that you're putting your stuff out there and I read your blog or whatever. I'm just like, all right, that's what I'm doing. I don't care yeah, about yeah. I don't care about whoever wants to say anything about that because that's my why is that as a young woman myself, I was like social media wasn't as big, not nowhere near as big when I first got into strength and conditioning as it as it is now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have, you know, I didn't really have a ton of people. I, I could like read online about a few women in the industry. I connected with a few women, but like I didn't really have a lot of that. You know, I, I was so, so fortunate again, that we're fortunate to have Melissa Moore as a boss at LSU. And she's just like a freaking unicorn and she's good at everything. And she's like <laughs> poised and she's just, she's absolutely incredible. So I, I was fortunate to have a direct female mentor as my boss at LSU. But other than that, really, you know, I connected with Meg Stone. I lived in Johnson city for a little bit. Um, and I connected with her, but like other than that, it was kind of like reading articles about Sue Falsoni, you know, being a physical therapist in baseball and, um, you know, Andrea Hootie at Kansas. Like I was reading articles about these people, but I could never really connect with them in, right. in real time. So doing that to me is extremely important. And when I get those emails or the, the, the Twitter message or whatever, that's like, thank you so much. I thought I couldn't do this, but 
you know, I read about you and I, I have hope, like I want to represent an idea for other young women. And so, yep. you know, that's, that's incredibly important. That's amazing. And you're just, again, this kind of ties back to the luck and opportunity thing. We have the opportunity to take advantage of all these different unique platforms. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, 10, yeah. 10 years ago, we, we weren't doing this, you know, like Twitter oh. was barely open and people are like, what the hell is Twitter? And now we've got yeah. just so, Including me. yeah, me too. And I'm mm-hmm. like just now getting, literally just now getting the hang of it. And I feel like I'm, I'm starting to just now feel like, all right, now this is kind of going to go somewhere. But anyway, but just saying what you're saying, like all those people that could be, they could have been reading about you now have direct access to you. Exactly. And that's just like that. You know, in terms of giving inspiration to people, you know, when you have direct contact with somebody versus reading their stuff and just having to have the the internal drive, which I guess there's something to be said for that too. But Mm -hmm. to know that that person's actually out there and they just responded to your tweet or Instagram message or whatever it is that Rachel just responded and said, you know, X, Y, and Z, that that's, Mm -hmm. you can't put any kind of price tag on that. Yeah. And I like, I do not. I mean, it might take me three weeks to get back to you, but like I always, and if I don't get back, it's because it got lost. And it's just like, there's, I always try to get back and I always really try to put thought into what I'm saying because it could really impact someone. And, and I, I want to take full advantage of that opportunity, Yep. you know? So piggybacking on that, where do you see strength and conditioning going from, from here on? Is it, is there... Do you, do you see like a, a broader horizon in terms of, you know, females having a greater impact or where do you see that going from here? If you even have insight into it. Yeah, I do. I've, I've thought about this a lot actually. Um, because I, you know, I got into baseball in 2012. This is like fifth season and I'm still the only female strength coach in right. baseball. So it's kind of disappointing at times, but I do feel like we're right on the cusp because I'm getting emails from women who want to be in baseball. And so just the fact that they want to be in baseball tells me that it's a matter of time before they do get hired. Um, and I think people are becoming more open to the idea. And there's there's physical therapists and athletic trainers um, that are in the game, a handful of them. But uh, the difference is like those fields in general, like physical therapy and athletic training are much more female dominated in the first place. So there's just a lot more of them. And so by nature of that fact, like there's going to be a lot more But strength and conditioning wise. I think that, um, I think really it all started with, with like title nine, if you want to take it way back, it, it started as it's, it started to like open up opportunities for women to be competitive athletes at the collegiate level. And to be around men also competing, and then okay, then there's women coaches in collegiate at the collegiate level, and then there's women athletic administrators at the collegiate level. So like at that, I think that's really what spurred it. Um, mm-hmm. I've given a lot of thought to that. Sounds got like Meg, it. Meg Stone being the head strength and conditioning coach at Arizona back in the 70s. I mean, come on, I was I wasn't even born. Like to say that I'm a pioneer is kind of like ridiculous. She was doing it wow. way back, and so. You know, that that kind of, I think, spurred it. And the more college athletes there are, the more young women who are lifting weights, who are not only lifting weights, but just crushing it in the weight room and competing in Olympic weightlifting, all these opportunities that women have now that they never did. Even my mom didn't even have an opportunity. She was a great track runner and, like, didn't really have much opportunity beyond that and definitely didn't even ever dream about getting a college scholarship. And that's my mother. Like, that's one generation ago. Right. So. I think just like women being in sports and being in competitive athletics and professional women's sports becoming bigger then feeds into, okay, 
fields like strength and conditioning where, you know, to be honest with you, not too many women, relatively speaking, not too many women want to pick up a bunch of heavy things and put them back down. And, get, and not too many women also like, you know, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm a woman and I'm, I'm a feminist and I, you know, I love women and all that stuff, but like not too many women want to yell at men to lift weights either. So like, right. you know, it's, it's not that we're necessarily, I don't think it'll ever be 50, 50 because yeah. right now strength and conditioning, I believe is like only 15 to 20% female. And so I don't know if it'll ever be 50-50 simply by nature of the fact of like social and gender like norms. Um, I yeah. definitely won't see it in my lifetime. However, I will tell you that I'm extremely optimistic that it's going to be – it's already getting bigger with, with women being in the field, and it's only going to continue in that way. I'm, I'm very optimistic that there will be another straight coach joining me soon in, in baseball and, and in other areas as well. I think yeah, I think you're absolutely right. How does it make you feel to know that somebody else and you know I don't, I'm not trying to like make you toot your horn or anything, but it's kind of cool to think about, you know, let's just let's just like extrapolate. Let's say 10 years down the road. I don't know, 5 years, whatever. Whatever time you're going to put on it. Another female strength coach gets into be let's be specific and just say the MLB. And they mm -hmm. know like that you're the one that that made it that that did it first like how does that that's got to feel incredible i mean maybe you don't even think about it maybe it's not even maybe it's not even a fair question to ask because you don't even know what well, that yeah but that's pretty like I don't, freaking I'm, awesome I'm so, i get every year that passes i get a little more perspective on it yeah. i guess but i'm still like i don't know the real answer but i will tell you that like i don't think every you know i don't think every woman or person, I don't think every, every, every woman who like, um, every person who breaks a barrier or whatever, like whether it's Jackie Robinson or whatever, whoever it is, like, I don't think everyone in those roles like feels re responsibility, but I, especially in the past year or two, I feel responsible. Like it's my job to do a good job so that other people can, can come behind me. Like it is, it's my responsibility. And so how does it feel to know, like, um, <laughs> like it would feel incredible and I would feel like, and I don't think it's my, um, my win, you know, again, yeah. it's like, it's, I, I don't know. I guess I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. That, maybe that I do, yeah. <laughs> I do feel the weight. Like I feel the weight on my shoulders. Yeah. So, so that's present, but I don't know if I'll ever claim like, Oh, I'm the one who got you that opportunity that just, no, uh, that's not, a, that's not even all what I meant. Like, I, I don't think yeah. that anybody be in that position, but, yeah, I just yeah. I, how does it feel? I don't know yet. I, yeah, I guess you wouldn't, but it's just it's cool for me to think about for you. <laughs> okay, get well. That's good. <laughs> yeah, whatever the hell that means. You let me know. How about you? I will. I will. Don't worry about it. When it happens, I'll be like, hey, I told you so. But <laughs> but hey, look, Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time. You dropped a bunch of truth on people today. So if they have more questions, where can they contact you? Um, I would say the best way to do it, I have social media everywhere. Like my Instagram and Twitter is where I'm the most active. Okay. Um, my Instagram is rachel.volkovec and my Twitter is damsel in a dugout. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And, but, um, my, the best way to like actually contact me if you want to email me or something is, is through my website because Twitter okay. and LinkedIn and 
Instagram messages just get lost in the shuffle, but I'm pretty good at email. So my okay. website, you can contact me through there. Um, it's just rachelbalkovec.com. Perfect. So Perfect. yeah, um, I, I know we went on a, a way different topic. We didn't talk about strength and conditioning, but to me, like, I don't know, that is, that is strength and conditioning. It's about the human side and, and coaching and all that. So yeah, and that's, yeah. someone gets something from this. <laughs> they definitely will. If anything else I did, I know I did. And I appreciate that. Cause I get some yeah. insight. It's insight and you learn. And I mean, we can always do another podcast if, if we want to dive into more, um, descriptive, you know, you know, application of, a deadlift or whatever it is, we can mm-hmm. we can always do that mm-hmm. later. But this was super important because people need to know what is on other people's minds that are in the industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all about 100% picking things up and putting things down. Like <laughs> there's other stuff going on up here too. So, but all right, Rachel, have a great night and we'll talk to you very soon. Yeah, thank you so much.